this is a case from Yarn Flute. Lynchy plants a pine tree. One day, as Lynchy was planting a pine tree in the monastery garden, his teacher, Huang Po, happened to come by and said, we have good shrubbery around the monastery. Why do you add this tree? He asked. Well, there are two reasons, Lin Chi said. First, to beautify the monastery with this evergreen. And second, to provide shade for future generations. Lin Chi then tamped the ground three times with his hoe to make the tree more secure. Your self-assertion does not agree with me, said Huang Po. Lin Chi ignored his, teachers, his teacher, murmuring, all done, and then tamped the ground again three times as before. Huang Po, his teacher, said, you will cause my teaching to remain in the world. Nyogen Senzaki's commentary. Lin Chi was symbolizing his Zen when he planted the tree by the monastery, where he had received the Dharma. But he did not want anyone to notice it until it was old. His teacher knew his thoughts very well, but wished to examine him thoroughly, so spoke as though he were inspecting the garden of the monastery. Lin Chi replied in kind with no reference to Zen. Zen should be preserved in this way. What can the teacher say except his words of appreciation? So I wanted to talk about a couple of things in relation to this. Uh, the first one has to do with establishing uh, right intention. What does it mean to establish intention, to have right intention? What does it mean to have an intention at all? Sometimes I ask people about different uh, events or things coming up, uh, whether it's Aikido and related, and I get an answer of, we'll see, we'll see what happens, we'll see if it works out. And it sounds good to say that, it sounds like I keep things open and keep it flowing and free-spirited, but not quite. If we look deeply, it's not quite free-spirited, it's actually very hindered spirit. We'll see what happens means I'm not setting out any intention. Right? So to commit to something, to say, okay, I will be there at such and such time on that day, does not mean that I guarantee that nothing will happen that will change that course. All it means is that I'm setting out an intention to be there at that time, at that place, at that day. And many things happen when we do it, but miraculously, somehow, the world listens. 
and provides the necessary ingredients to make it happen. Quite often, actually, it does. For the simple reason or fact that we are what we are doing. We are what we are looking at. We are inseparable. So the intention moves things, changes things, as it is with not setting out an intention. You know, so to, to decide, I will go and do this, is to tell the world, that's what I need to do. And often the world will say, okay, let's see what can be done for you to do that. And also internally, a lot changes because there is clarity. I know what I need to do and I know that I'm going to do that. It takes care of the ambiguities of our lives. And then, of course, if something shows up, if something changes, then the course can change. It doesn't mean that there was anything wrong with or about the intention, the original intention. But the intention is to set out clarity in the midst of chaos. To find a way to live in clarity while we deal with a lot of uh, uncertainties. So in, the, in our practice, this is very clear, and it has to be very clear to us that we are setting out an intention to stay clear, to stay committed to the practice, to embody the Buddha Dharma, to live it, to realize it. What we chant, those are the words we chant. But it's one thing to chant it, it's another to take it as an intention. This connects to, to the second thing I want to talk about. <clears throat> Next weekend we're holding a Tokudo ceremony for Mitsugen and Taishin, as you know. And I wanted to speak a little bit about it and, and try to clarify what it means because I think for many it's not very clear what is ordination, what does it mean to be a priest, as a priest? What does it mean for us uh, as non-monastics? Yeah, so Tokudo is, is an important ceremony in the Zen tradition and it's, it's signifying a clear entry point to a deeper level of embodiment for a practitioner who feel strongly about fully embracing the Buddha Dharma. You know, the aspiration to ordain is an organically occurring process which must be experienced genuinely by the postulant and then needs to be verified by the officiating Dharma teacher. So it's based on the connection between the teacher and the student. And, and this, is, it's, this sets out the, the Zen tradition in a very unique way. It's a very personal and intimate 
connection that is established between a teacher and a student. And that connection is, is essential in the process of verifying whether or not the, the progress or the desire is genuine. So rather than, in, for us, in, in the priesthood, rather than passing through a specific academic curriculum, exams, receiving a certificate, the Zen priesthood is an alive process that grows like a plant. And as such, it requires attentiveness to the soil in which it grows. And a loving, encouraging, and experienced hand that can follow it closely, step by step, as the teacher does. So as this happens, as, as the buds of the aspiration to ordain begin to emerge from the heart of a committed practitioner, they are verified and nurtured through continuous interactions with the teacher. Whether it's in Dokusan, intensive events, or just functioning together in daily activities, just having a cup of coffee together, cleaning the zendo, talking about dealing with kids, talking about how we deal with the boss, financial struggles, whatever it is, whatever is going on, is showing us something. Doesn't trust. It doesn't mean whether we see it as a failure or success, but what it means, or what's important, is that it's showing us what we need to do in order to deepen. How I need to practice in order to deepen. In fact, the, the best way to verify genuine intent is to observe someone during what we call everyday mundane activities. When a practitioner is not engaged in what we consider formal practice, not just how you chant, how you light an incense, how you bow, those are very important aspects of practice, but then what? Zen Master Foyan said, if someone should question you, how should you speak? Can you speak effectively? If you can only speak after thinking and concentrating, what use, what use is your statement? It's not a lie. At midnight, how do you speak? Getting up at dawn, how do you speak? In the hallway, in the washroom, how do you speak? Can you speak effectively? Your eyes must be clear before you can. Now this is of course taken from living in a monastery, in the hallway, in the washroom. But to speak effectively really means to function effectively, seamlessly, which in terms of practice means to, to deeply embrace the Dharma and allow it to function through you. Not for the purpose of being more efficient, but just for the sake of giving the Dharma a venue through which it can express itself freely. In other words, to get out of the way. To not make a big deal out of the self. 
And at its core, the task of our practice is to recognize our inherent ability of, sorry, inherent quality of itness. The itness that we were, we are born with, that we are endowed with, that flows through us, or as isness, as it is sometimes called. And we need to clarify it through and through in our everyday life. And then to allow it to flow freely so it can manifest and share it with all creation as we chant again, or as all creation. And this is what Dharma teachers have maintained and transmitted over the past 2,500 years. And this is what we, as a Sangha, are entrusted with and commit to uphold. And then to pass on to practitioners that have not yet been born. And to help Sanghas that have not yet been formed. As portrayed in the dialogue between Hongpo and Linchi, when Hongpo asked, Why is he planting trees? Linchi said, For two reasons. First, to beautify the monastery with this evergreen, and second, to provide shade for future generations. This is another way of saying that. By devoting ourselves to practice, we are engaging in cultivating the soil. Right? The soil so we can plant and consume wholesome spiritual nourishment. Wholesome spiritual nourishment. And then, and then we look at the quality, the purity of the soil and maintain it. So it can be passed on to future practitioners who will do the same. As we are doing what was done. So in other words, by taking the responsibility to maintain strong practice, we attend and care for the Sangha, the Maha Sangha, the greater Sangha, of course, everybody in the world, and for those who we will never meet. And I think that when we realize the vastness and the vastness of this responsibility and the privilege, it is a privilege. When we realize that, we see how well it fits with the theme of our angle. It's time to tighten up the slack. It's time to raise the Buddha Dharma. It's time to embody it further, deeper. To snap out of lingering. To not loiter around. Not snooze. To not snooze. You know, to, to hit the snooze button as we, some often do in the morning, it's almost like hitting the snooze button on wisdom. Yeah, wisdom is good, but not yet. 
Delusion feels much better at times, doesn't it? It does actually feel better at times. So we keep hitting the snooze button. What we're trying to do in this Sangha is quite the opposite of that. You hear the alarm? Get up. Right away. No time to lose. Not a single moment wasted. So how do we engage in cultivation of the soil practice? How do we nurture it with the necessary ingredients? What are the necessary ingredients? So we do in this Sangha, we have committed to deepen the way we embrace the Dharma through strengthening the Sangha bonds, through engaging in liturgy, through the practice of reverence and appreciation, and through creating clarity in our lives so we can practice more seamlessly. Now the priesthood plays a very important role in that. Because the priesthood maintains and supports those efforts. It's kind of like a glue that keeps it together. Which we, us, uh, us who have ordained, have to be reminded of or remind ourselves of on a regular basis. It's not a moment in time of receiving robes. It's moment by moment by moment practice. No lingering, no loitering, no wasting time. So I want to talk a little bit about that, but first I'd like to clarify that in our tradition there are two levels of priesthood. The novitiate and then the full priesthood. And the first ordination marks the beginning of a discernment period in which the practitioner examines what it means to be a priest and whether or not this is a life that he or she would like to commit to for a lifetime, what we call a lifetime. In other traditions, it's different. The, there is a long period of discernment that culminates in full ordination. There is no novitiate priesthood. There is a novitiate without robes or sometimes uh, with specific colored robes that signify that level, level that position or place. And there is some skillfulness to that, I think, as well. But I think that working with fire in real time can, is very beneficial, actually, because you actually get to experience what it means while doing it, while being engaged in being called a priest putting on robes, having a zagu, being seen as a priest. So an novitiate in our tradition is somebody who receives robes, puts them on, 
and tries them out, so to speak. Another thing that's important to note that the priesthood is a function in the community. And it's not a Dharma teaching position. The specific responsibilities vary from Sangha to Sangha based on the need, the type of practice that is maintained, the number of other ordained practitioners, and of course the nature of the Sangha being a monastic or maybe a Zen center, a suburb or city. Another thing too is that the, in a, on a, for our linear minds, this may sound like a promotion. Oh, the next step on the path. But in reality, it has nothing to do with that. It's not a next step on the path. It's not something that every practitioner should at some point do. That's why I said before, it has to arise organically from within. Something within the practitioner needs to wake up and connect with the priesthood, with ordination, with what it means. Sometimes it does. In most cases, it doesn't, which is fine. You know, it's just a way a practitioner chooses to embody the Dharma and to be of service to others. There are many ways to be of service to others. It's not above anything, it's not below anything. So, I'd like to share with everybody the, the pledge of the novice priest and go through that, because it actually outlines it very well. The life of a priest. And you're going to hear it next week as, uh, as each one of them recites that. So to be a priest is to live as Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. To devote one's life to manifesting a Buddha field among all realms of creation. Now this is to deepen the embodiment of selflessness. Right? And to put on robes without filling them with an identity. Without being the one who is putting on robes. Without being the one who is being ordained. To lessen the, the grip of the egoic self rather than to strengthen it. That's what it means to live as Buddha, Dharma and Sangha. To not add the robes to the pile I come in with. So putting on is taking off. And again, to the mind that we come in with, it's very difficult. Because it's a new title, it's a new position, it's a new look. Right? You look in the mirror, wow, you know, I have to get used to that. Okay, that's the new me. And to manifest a Buddha field among all realms of creation. Where is the Buddha field? Is a question we need to ask. 
at all times, at all situations, with whatever attire we have on at that moment. Also to, to make sure that the robes don't get stained by our karma, which is another big task. How do I not stain my robes, my life, with the karma, with my habits, with my conditioning? How do I recognize the habits, work with them, and yet stay clear, keep clarity, keep purity in my practice, in my life. It's a big task. The second line, I will be a great tree, rooted deeply in practice, providing any and all with shade, shelter, and the breath of life. So to be a great tree, be a great tree, to, to be rooted in practice. And this is not something, again, we, we, there is the ordination ceremony, which is a beautiful ceremony, but that ceremony does not keep somebody rooted. It just echoes in someone's head. I will be a great tree. I will take care of my practice so I can be rooted because nobody will do that for me. Nobody can, nobody should. So I'm going to keep deepening because the winds are strong. How do I withstand the winds of everyday life, of challenges? How do I withstand seeing suffering of others? How do I not crumble when I'm next to someone who is truly suffering? Otherwise, how can I be a great tree giving shade, shelter, and the breath of life? Breath of life. You know, we, we practice zazen is primarily based on breath. The breath of life. Something we can't see and yet without that nothing is sustained. We cannot grab it. Yet without it Nothing happens. Something we pollute on a regular basis. Then I will know and care for the members of my communities. I will know and care. I will know and care. So, you know, it starts big. I will be a great tree rooted deeply in practice, providing any and all Everybody, anybody, with shade. People I know, people I don't know, people I like, people I don't like. 
And then from there it goes on, it goes into a smaller scale, the members of my community, people I interact with on a regular basis, people who are practitioners as well in my Sangha. I will do my best to listen well, to care deeply, and provide wise counsel when asked. This is something that should be underscored when asked. Because if I'm not, maybe I should keep my mouth shut. And maybe I should be a great tree giving shade in a different way, not verbally. That's a skillful way to develop, skillful means. And that's what needs to fill the robes with time and practice. It does, actually. But I have to say, not at the time a person is ordaining, and definitely not at the time a person is entering the, the novitiate process. That period of discernment is a period of trying to figure out, what is this about? What do I do with this? Okay, so I know how to put a robe on, but how can this robe be a vehicle for goodness? And that's an open question. I can't answer it either. Then, I will assist in developing and conducting the liturgy and ceremonies of each community. I will manifest and maintain practice and places for practice. So this, of course, has to do with the function in the community, the function in a zendo or a monastery, which, of course, at a monastery, the life of a priest is very specific. There's a long list of what a priest does, responsibilities. For us, it's different. It's much more open. Which is, again, double-edged sword, right? Because it's open for what? Is it open for interpretations? Or is it open for deepening upaya, deepening the skillfulness? Then I will study the Dharma, embody the Dharma, and share the Dharma. Study the Dharma. So, most importantly, I'm committing to studying all aspects of the Dharma. And then embody it. And share it with all practitioners and non-practitioners. I will open up the gate of enlightenment, stand just outside that threshold, hearing the cries of existence, and help usher all creation through. Now, we've, we, we, this is something we all vow, all practitioners vow to do, not in those words, but to save everybody, to save all creations, right? Everybody, you know, creations are numberless. I vow to save them. 
But this is one step deeper. Not further, but deeper. And the last line is, this is the way of the Bodhisattva, the life of a priest. And then there's another paragraph that the novice priest recites at the time of uh, shaving the head, which we can talk about that another time. But shaving the head is, uh, just a few words about that, is a way to part off what we care for, identify with as human beings, or have come to identify with, because it has to do with the way we look. So parting of that is really letting go of that which is attached to the hair. And as the officiant says at the time of shaving the head is that it's easier to cut off the outside hair than to cut off the inside hair. What we don't see, the attachments we don't, we can't just shave off with a razor. The attachments we're not even aware of. So on the gata of shaving the head, the novitiate says, in this drifting, wandering world, it is very difficult to cut off human ties. Now I cast them away and enter true activity. It is in this way that I express my gratitude. As I shave my head, I vow to live a life of simplicity, service, stability, selflessness, and to accomplish the Buddha's way. May I manifest my life with wisdom and compassion and actualize the Tathagata's true teaching, the Buddha's true teaching. True activity. May I enter true activity. You know, in this koan, it says that Lin Chi ignored one post statement which in conventional terms may seem that he did. But in reality, he was just deeply absorbed in true activity, in which self and other are dropped. And so in that, nobody was ignoring anybody. Now, being absorbed in true activity, he had no concern for either approval or Rebuke. So when his teacher Huang Po said, your self-assertion does not agree with me, Lin Chi was free to stay focused on the task of planting trees. And then he just stamped the ground three times and said, all done. He was absolutely absorbed in what we call, or what the practice calls, true activity. And that's the life of a priest. That's the life of, that should be the life of a practitioner. What we should strive for. Because in true activity, you don't hear anything. 
You don't see anything. It's a different kind of light, the good lightness, as we call it. There are, there are different degrees of, different, not degrees, but different uh, kinds of blindness. This is when the third eye is open and these eyes are shut. In which the seeing and what is, the seer and what is being seen are one. The doer and what is being done are one. Again, true activity. And Huang Po, of course, recognized Lynch's state of being and said, you will cause my teaching to remain in the world. That's exactly how it continues. By entering true activity. No waiting at the bus stop and hoping that true activity will stop by and pick us up. Now, for a Zen priest, a life of simplicity, service, stability, selflessness needs to be expressed through all activities, whether it is around the Zendo or Sangha matters, dealing with everyday encounters at work, at home, wherever we are, whatever we do. What we call the Buddha field is the place and time in which we function. And so the priesthood has to manifest in every breath, in that way. There's a story about the Buddha as he was walking with the congregation. At some point he stopped, pointed to the ground with his finger and said, this spot is good to build a sanctuary. Now Indra took a blade of grass, stuck it in the ground and said, the sanctuary is built. And the Buddha smiled. Now the Buddha smiled. This is the same as Huang Po saying, you will cause my Dharma to continue. This is realizing, this is where a teacher realizes that the student is awakened to the same reality. That's the task. So, next weekend, as Taishin and Mitsugen are entering into the priesthood, we need to nurture, encourage, and support their commitment by building a sanctuary with the existing ingredients of our lives. And also by devoting our practice and efforts to future generations. It's not just their priesthood. It's our commitment. It's our priesthood. It's our lives. We 
It's wherever we are, it's however we function that matters. It's the recognition that nothing needs to be deleted or ignored or forgotten just to not identify, just to not hold on, just to realize that the sanctuary is built from this, right here, right now. So, this is a big event for, for, for them, for us. And it doesn't happen very often. As you can imagine, it's a big commitment. And I think it deserves that, that kind of awareness, that kind of attitude or that kind of embracing. So let's give it that kind of attention. Let's see it for what it is, and let's all be uh, encouraged to go deeper as they go deeper into their own personal commitments. I look forward to it, and I look forward to working with each of them and everybody else on going further, and I think that we are actually doing a pretty good job. I have to be careful with that, because sometimes hearing we're doing a good job creates slacking off. So we gotta watch out. We are doing a good job, but we have a lot of work to do. Maybe that sounds better. So, yeah. That's the task, to wake up now, to tamp the ground, to make sure that we are addressing and attending to the soil on which we are standing, right? By which we are supported for us and for future generations. 